0: Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer in episode 207 of The Speaking Club podcast. To start the show, I wanted to touch on the condition of cognitive dissonance. This is the term used to describe the mental discomfort that results when what you say and what you do are in conflict. Now, I've always wondered if there was a term that described the situation where someone suffered absolutely no mental discomfort when cognitive dissonance occurred apparently that term is being boris anyone for cake i started this podcast for two reasons because i want to help people recognize the power of stories and humor in speaking and because i believe it's your message that counts not the number of ums and ahs you use There are some organizations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hey, I hope you're well. Thank you for joining me again. If you're a regular listener, and if it's your first time, welcome. So, what have I been up to? Well, we've had the first read-through of my new play, Crunch, which is going to be on at the Brighton Fringe in May. That's very exciting. It was a lot of fun. If you want to find out more about Crunch and when it's on, then you can do that over at lemonsqueeze.co.uk slash crunch. And the lemon and the squeeze have got a little hyphen between them. But enough of that, let's talk about today's show. Well, I'm chuffed to be joined by Peter Roper. Now, Peter has certainly ridden the roller coaster of business success. After many successful years in a corporate career, where he was responsible for a company turning over 38 million pounds... Ooh, Peter set out to create his own business in 1996. Peter's journey as a business owner was not easy and has led to some of the biggest challenges and darkest moments of his life, but also the greatest insights about business success. And it's not just his business journey that he's going to be talking about today, because alongside that, Peter has had an illustrious career as a professional speaker He's also been president of the Professional Speakers Association and he's written quite a few books, including one on speaking. Now, in 2015, Peter formed the Family Business Practice and he set it up to help business owners successfully develop the skills and experience and networking community that would enable their businesses to thrive. And in this episode, you're not only going to hear about Peter's experiences as a business owner, but also some of that speaking gold as well. And I'm so excited to share it with you. So, without further ado, let's crack on. So, welcome to the speaking club, Peter Roper.
1: Thank you. It's lovely to see you.
0: What I'm interested to talk to you about first is your business journey. And I wondered if you could share the journey that you've been on in business to get to where you are today.
1: Yeah, can do. Now, I, I could talk about that for about a year if you're not careful. So if I try and do it in brief, and then if you want to ask me anything after that, that's that's fine.
0: Sure.
1: Uh, I had a corporate career up to the age of 40, so that's 26, 25, 26 years ago, because I'm 65 now. Uh, and um, I was successful at that, sort of uh, main board uh, American parenting company, uh, and I had to, responsibility for a lot of people, and I walked away from it when I hit 40. And the truth was, I was just fed up of corporate. I was fed up of all the rubbish that went with it. I was flying at the time, I was doing very well and everybody was staggered that I did it. But I just knew that if I didn't leave then, you know, I would never leave. So, you know, I left and thought I'd start my own business because it'd be easier, (laughs) which proves what an idiot I am, isn't it? (laughs) And I quickly found out that actually don't work like that. And I, you know, yes, I understood corporate business, but you know, running your own business, as you know, is something very, very different. Uh, And I, I learned lessons quickly about that. Uh, and um, I, I said it myself as a business consultant, a business development consultant. I've been business development all my life, really, uh, pretty much. Uh, and um, I did well. I had various clients. Things went well. I got involved in various bits and bobs. And in 2000, um, I, I guess we we'll talk about it separately, but the, you know, I started a speaking career by accident. That's that's how that all happened. Uh, but I continued to you know, grow and stuff and all the rest of it. Um, and that was great. 2006, Andy Leparch and I became bestseller authors in 12 Hours Within Death Came Third. And uh, a year later, we lost the lot. We lost everything. Because I'd invested in a couple of people's businesses. I did it badly. Uh, it was a combination of um, overconfidence, inexperience, ignorance, uh, tr- too trusting, a whole b- bunch of things. But it was down to me at the end of the day. And so the fancy house, the fancy cars and everything went with it, it became a, a rented 2 or 2 two-down cottage and a 10-year-old Vauxhall Astro, which I call Rocky. And we started again, Does that start from scratch again. And then during that time, I uh, got going again. Um, Sarah Beth helped me get going again, particularly, and all daughter Sarah Beth, some of the people here will know who Sarah Beth is uh and got going again and eventually built the practice and it's where we are now today really so i mean that's the short 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 version uh you know my expertise in the last 25 years is all about family businesses and that's anything that's one man or one woman band which is where all families start up to you know family businesses I mean, volkswagen vw is a family business for argument's sake so everything in between 80 something percent of that business in this country are actually family based 30 percent of the tax take uh, the chancellor takes officially is from family businesses, is actually far more than that. But um, so, you know, um, family business where I'm at, uh, that fits in with my value sets, I suppose. It took me a long time to really understand about my values, but actually they're, they're three words, they all stand with F, uh, which is family. Well, that'd be a bit wrong if it wasn't, wouldn't it really? Um, fun, because I like to do things with a smile. I'm not, I'm not the center of attention type person, that's not me, but I do like people who smile, who are easy to get on with. And fairness is a big deal with me. It's huge with me. Fairness is a big, big deal with me, uh, and that's kind of where I got to now. So you know, um, that's 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 forty years in what three and a half minutes was it?
0: That so it has been a roller coaster ride for you. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm the same as you, and so many people get to that forty mark because I did exactly yeah. the same thing and bailed on a corporate career having got to senior level. You know, why do you think uh, that is, first of all?
1: And when you, wasn't it the company you are working for based in Swindon?
0: Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: And, of course, the company I worked for was based in Swindon. Now there's the <laughs> irony of it, isn't it? It's, it's obviously Swindon and 40. Is that what it is? No, Swindon, I'm kidding. It's all right, Swindon. I didn't mean it. Well,
0: <laughs> there's just this yearning for like I don't think this is my purpose I don't think this is it and that incongruence that sometimes you get with corporate and all that stuff but um I
1: I, I, I know exactly the second I made my mind up uh, which was I was at the Grosvenor house hotel we were there to get a, a very fancy award for the division that I'd helped to create uh, uh, was about to win and then I had one of our senior people from another one of our divisions came over to me and they were playing corporate games with me. And it was half past one in the morning, uh, and and you know uh, they they were being ridiculous, uh, and I saw them away because I was quite capable of doing that in those days, and I thought I'm done, and I knew I'd die. It, it, it just that was it, uh, you know. And the next day, you know, I said I'm I'm out of here. I'm going to work out how, but I'm off. I'm not doing this anymore. Because it was the corporate rubbish that I was fed up with. I was, mm-hmm. we we were leading something that was very uh, professional and and flying, absolutely flying, and yet we were having to fight corporate backbiting the whole time because everybody else was jealous of it. Now it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think it still exists today just the same. I think it's probably better than it used to be then, um, because it was far more um, one-sided. It was far more male or dominated wrongly. Which made it worse, but I just knew it. I past one in the morning. The, the switch flicked, uh, and that was it for me. So I, I, it's probably similar for yourself, Sarah.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And so I want to take you back to the point where everything came crashing down. What were your thoughts at that point? You know, how, were you are you an optimistic type of person? Were you immediately thinking, "What can I do next?" Or was there that sort of did you did you wallow for a bit?
1: I'm a half full, not half empty person. So, so yes, I always look forward. Uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was wallowing for a while, because I was, Mm. Uh, and I definitely um, meandered for a while because I couldn't get my head, I couldn't get my head clear. Mm. Uh, I think more than I, I, uh, if I'm honest, it's, it probably took me three years to actually clear uh, and start really getting going again. And I am a different person because of it. There is no doubt. I'm a different person from what I was, and I'm I'm the better for it. Uh, and so, um, in that respect, it, it, you know, you learn from adversity, don't you? And what we went through is nothing like what a lot of other people have gone through. At the end of the day, yes, we lost a lot. It wasn't fun. The worst day for me, and you know everybody knows this story, which was not um, going down to uh, the receiver's office and, and and doing all that stuff, which wasn't fun. But when my three grown-up kids came to, to our, and then the, the, this cottage we moved into, and they, they said, Dad, the fridge is empty. And they literally, at a whip round, you know, uh, and said, you know, got a little, go get some food. That was my toughest day, and it was toughest because... I was having to accept stuff from the kids that I never thought I'd ever have, have to do, and that I, I, you know, I, I struggled with that for a while. And we're a close family, you know. People that know us know we're a close family. So, you know, I struggled with that mentally for quite a while. Um, I went down some avenues trying to do you know, various lots of business and stuff, some, and, and I wasn't properly at the races. That's what it boils down to. And it took me a good while. No, it was the family that sorted me out. It was yeah. the family that, that that got me going again. It was the family that steered me until I could get going again and then off you know off I went I am a different person for it I, you know I, I, one of the books I wrote was running on empty and that mm-hmm. Sarah Beth said dad you know you, you need to share this stuff with everybody so I did which is basically 37 dumb things whatever you do don't do in business what I've done uh, and it's only 37 there could be a lot more but anyway at the time it was that and, and in the same way and again it was Sarah funny enough that, that, that said uh it's time you stood up and talked about it and that was actually in 2010 which was three years later and uh I was, I was mentally through all it by then and I was doing what I needed to you know do and what I was enjoying doing and, and I said okay I will and I you know I, I spoke uh locally you know it was an audience about 90 or 100 or something and it was a very different speech and I said I'm going to tell you why it actually happened mm-hmm. uh and Here's the thing, Sarah, and and I think people who've gone through some challenging times know this to be true. And this is a lesson that I needed to learn, which was, you know, I shared, you know, and I wasn't sharing it to make myself feel better because I was through that. Yeah. And I do see some people speaking sometimes and they're going, they're speaking to, to get through it themselves. I didn't do that. I spoke that day because Sarah Beth asked me to. That's the reason why I did it. And I thought, okay, I'll share this stuff. but I want it that you you get something from it. Otherwise, what's the point? When you're speaking, it's not about you. It's about the audience. It's only about whatever, what you're giving that's important. And so, you know, I shared some thoughts. I said, look, if I were you, don't do this, don't do that, because it don't work, it is rubbish. Uh, And um, afterwards, I got a group of people came up to me, and there were three sets of people that came up to me. The first lot, and I have to say, they were nearly all women came up and they wanted to give me a hug and say that there, there you poor love, and you know, you're all right now and all that sort of stuff, which is lovely. And the second lot really were, you know, they'd walk up and go, Thank you, Peter, that was very useful. And they said nothing else. And they wouldn't look me in the eyes. And I know that look. And I've had conversations with a number of them over the years, and they were all going through rubbish. Uh, and it's just that they, 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 they and, you know I've had people come up to me afterwards and say Peter you're here called and, and all that sort of stuff so which is what I wanted really because I knew there'd be people in that audience at that time 2008-9 who were in trouble and so I so, and I knew that the time lag by 2010 would have been there so when I actually spoke I knew there, were, there would be some people in that room that would be in trouble The third lot is the lot that set the thing for me, Sarah, which was somebody, you know, first one came up and, and, you know, so I'll be polite as we've been recorded, but they said, and it was have to be a bloke, you know, and he said, let me tell you what happened to me. And then I had this horrendous story, like terrible story. Right. And, um, and I said, how many people you told that? And he said, I never have till today. And I said, why not? And I said, actually, I know the answer, but why not? Well, sure enough, oh, because your parents said nobody are you dirty wash in public, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it, what it, Sarah, what it did was it set me free.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's not why I spoke at all. I I spoke to share some stuff to, to be helpful because that's that that's our way. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually it set me free. And I can talk, I'll, I'll talk about it with anybody, with everybody, anytime, because all people go through rubbish, you know, and, and we we've, we've had We had a challenging time, but compared with some people, no. No, some people have been had far, far worse times than we've had. And I wouldn't dream of sucking the thumb in comparison. But what it did teach me uh, absolutely was the importance is that if you are sharing, you're sharing for good reason, not to settle your own thoughts. It's Mm -hmm. all about what I've always believed, which is it's not about you, it's about the audience. It's the only thing that matters.
0: Absolutely. And we're on the same page there. And I think there's an important speaking point to draw out of that before I talk to you about the business lessons. But I and I don't know if you agree with this. And I think you do from what you said. It's really important that when time, enough time has passed, that you're able to speak about what happened to you, whatever it is, that thing, without yeah. it having that emotional pull on you. Because I see a lot of people who are, like you say, in the heart of it, they're not over it they haven't done the work on themselves that they need to do in order to be able to speak about it with Mm. the clarity and objectivity that they need in order to give the lessons to the audience and they'll cry and it and it's just you know that's a really important thing i think people need to understand you need to give yourself the time before you know the space to get over it before you can speak about it
1: i think i think it's a fine line Mm. It is a fine line. I think it's important that, um, that you share, that the emotion is with you because oh, yes. if yeah. you've lost that emotion, it's not going to be any good. Yeah. But what, what you shouldn't do, it's I say shouldn't, I'm not judging anybody. All right. Uh, you know, I'm the last person to judge somebody, hopefully. You know, you shouldn't be speaking to cure your ill, to cure your challenge. You should yeah. be speaking to share for the audience, so the audience gets something. Now, if you show emotion in that point, then that's fine. However, it's it's not to the degree where you know, where you're really struggling with it. Yeah. People need to see in your eyes, maybe hear in your voice, that you're emotional about it. Uh, I you know I I take issue with people who say, well, when you're speaking, you shouldn't be emotional. Well, oh sorry. no, I
0: agree with you. you, that know, you know, absolutely,
1: yeah. you should yeah. be emotional, but you have to control it. Yes. I also have to say there are times when it catches you. Yeah. Uh, And you don't expect it. You know, I've talked about that story a lot of times, but I also know it's caught me once or twice out of nowhere, absolutely nowhere. If you've spoken for a reasonable length of time, you know as well as I do, there are times when you're speaking, when you're speaking, but there's a little voice in your head doing other things yeah. at the same time. And so the little voice is going, what's going on? <laughs> like, Hello, why are you getting emotional? What's up? What you? And all that's going on. Or is that just me? Is it only me that has voices no, no, in my head? No,
0: she, no. <laughs> I, think it's,
1: I think it's only speakers that have the voices in the head, you know? So, I mean, it's a fine line. And I think there are times when you perhaps go over it a bit. But it's sh- there's that common difference, you know. If, if at the minute, if you're really hurting, if you're really struggling, and yes, I understand that, that it, it can help you enormously to stand up. And it did with me, but I was through it. Yeah. It yeah. was three years later. I was through it. Yeah, I've learned from it. Yeah. There's a little thing in my head that's always there, but I was through that part of that process. And and there, yes, you're right. There are times when you you know, I see people and I think it's too early for you. Yeah you know uh, and it's it's actually not hurt it's hurting you it's not doing you good you need to get farther then go for it because then you'll be all right and it will lift you but more importantly frankly and bluntly it's better for the audience
0: yeah absolutely cool thank you for sharing that and so looking back you've talked about it's it's you know you've changed personally yeah uh, as, as a result of this experience but what are your top three biggest lessons that you learned in terms of business that would help other people avoid that trap? Or avoid- oh,
1: what, well, I'm losing it all, you anyway. yeah. um Oh, easy. Um <laughs> if you uh, Let's have a think. Uh, financial advice, I'm to saying this phrase, financial advice is not obligatory, but it is essential. Mm. Uh, and I didn't talk to my accountant about things I should have done. When I wrote uh, Running on Empty, one of my clients who has long since retired as an FD of a decent size organization, I spoke, he had a copy of the book, he read it, he phoned me uh, and uh, he tore into me for about 10 minutes, literally tore into me. Couldn't get word in edgeways. He was furious. Me. And when he, I know I finally said, if you calm down now, because we had a very good relationship. And he said, why didn't you tell me? because you didn't have to go through that. I could have sorted that for you. And I said, you know, why not? And he said, because your dad told you you don't know your dirty washing. But I said, yeah, because I'm, we're that generation. You, you, you just don't. Um, and it was wrong. You know, And when Andy LePage and I spoke at the PSA a handful of years back, you know, we agreed. I'd speak earlier on. He spoke later. You know, I spoke about the ups and downs, and the ups again. And he said he didn't know because I didn't tell him. Um, and he, to this day, I know Andy's still upset because he felt he could have helped and he probably could. But the thing is, is when you get in this debt mindset and you're in a debt spiral, you can't see the wood for the trees. You know, I, I became a debt counsellor for about 18 months afterwards and, and that helped as well. And I helped other people with it and it, it was uh, uh, it was good for me and I helped them and I learned lots of lessons from it. But the one key thing I learned all the time was that everybody gets in a dead spiral and they can't see the way out of it. And, and, and so the second point is, you need to ask for help.
0: Mm.
1: And I didn't. Pride gets in your way. Uh, and I was too proud not to start. And by the time I was asking for help, there was only one route, really. And that was it. And at least we understood that then. Um, but if I'd asked earlier, uh, would we have got out of it? We certainly would have been different. no question uh, that would have been different. So, you know, to me, asking for help and talking to people who really un- understand stuff, there's two in one there. Uh, uh, two of the key lessons I learned. I suppose the third one that I learned was that uh, family makes you stronger. Yeah. That's the number one.
0: Yeah, absolutely, which uh, which is why you do what you do today. Now,
1: yeah. uh,
0: now we talk, you mentioned that you kind of fell into speaking. Yeah. So you've kind of run those, you know, I know it was part of business, you be paid to speak but it was a sort of a long sight. can you share how and why you started speaking professionally
1: okay so the, the the story is is that um well which way around should i do this yeah there's two parts to it uh part one was that uh, i was lucky enough to see a whole bunch of really good speakers and i i always love watching speakers and there was a little part of me as with all of us <laughs> that, you know that says i want to do that all right uh, and uh, I went across to Atlanta to learn about personality and uh, I mean, personality now is very popular, the disc and all the rest of it is incredibly popular now, if you go back to 1999, in this country, it's hardly known, hardly known. And, and I went over to America, went on a, po- a program there for the week. And at the end of the week, uh, I was told, and it's the first, even though I'd worked for an American corporate, it's the first time I'd ever been to America. So I went in, you know, I, even, I was even wearing a blazer, you know, I was so an English person, it was hilarious, right. Uh, and they they said, Look, um, Peter, you're the first English person on our programme, and there's some people would like you to meet. And I went down into uh, downtown Atlanta, and we walked through in a building that had CNN on and I didn't, I didn't clock that. Um, and they said, um, you know, the, the laws we've got over here, you know, if you're talking to a, a, a small group of people, you have to put uh, a microphone on because otherwise we'll sue you for lack of voice and stuff fell for that one so I told you I'm not bright uh and, the, and then the door was open as I walked through as I heard ladies and gentlemen from England Peter Roper
0: oh my goodness I was
1: key, I, t- I said what's going on and they said um you're the key speaker and there were a lot of people in the room wow. hell of a lot of people in the room and I walked from the back to the front of the, of the stage thinking, what the hell am I going to do? That's the truth. That's exactly what happened.
0: Did it give you no, no sort of to what you're supposed to talk none. about? None,
1: none. And it, it was part of the personality thing where they, they said, we know you can do this, but they didn't tell me that till afterwards.
0: Oh my goodness. I was and like so, as
1: I, I literally as I was walking slowly up the middle of these people, and they're Americans, right? And, they, I, and anybody in America listen to this, this is the, a compliment, you know? They were all standing up and clapping because they're very polite and and, and it's lovely. But I was walking like it was the slowest walk in the world <laughs> thinking, what the flipping neck am I going to do? And I thought, well, I know why I'm here. I wanted to understand actually about my family, believe it or not. Uh, that's why I went to understand about personality. Uh, and um, and I thought, well, okay, how do I how do I start with this? And I thought, well, I'd learned something. So I literally started by saying, ladies and gentlemen, we lived in the other side of Worcestershire at the time, and, and my name's Peter Roper, and I live in a village called Upton Snodsbury. <laughs> and it is true, I live opposite a black and white, 16th century, thatched cottage. And I saw the audience, all their heads went, ah, because I knew that they loved all that stuff. And then um, after that, I have no no idea what I said. <laughs> I spoke for thirty minutes. Can't tell you. And I, I came off stage, and there was a group of people saying, "Peter, that was fantastic. How long have you been a motivational speaker?" Oh, that's the wow. truth. And I said, "You wouldn't believe." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Honestly. And then um, um, <clears throat> two bits further onto that, I came back, uh, and it was my. Um, Uh, annual chat with the bank manager uh, who loved what I was doing at that time because I was being (laughs) successful at that time. Uh, And at the end of the conversation, um, she's long since retired. And she said, you know, I said, I'd get a few of us together. You know, you can meet some of our other area managers. Well, we're we're having a beer on Thursday night. Are you free about six? And I thought, yeah, I shouldn't miss that. And I said, yeah, okay. And she said, I'll buy you a beer. See, I should have (laughs) known. I should have known. And I... I, um, Uh, I walked in and she got me a drink and said, just come around the corner. And there were 35 bank staff waiting for me. And she looked at me and said, got you twice. (laughs) And and, and from that, they booked me to speak at one of their regional things. They paid me 50 quid and I kept a copy. I banked the money, of course I did. But I took a copy of the check and I kept that check on the wall for years because that was my first paid gig. So that was back in... 2000 I suppose 99 2000 and the last part of this story was, um, I uh, through a combination of stuff which would take ages I met somebody who said um, I know exactly what you need to do because I was exploring how to get involved in speaking because I thought yeah. do you know I quite fancy this I think I could do all right at this as so many of us do yeah uh, and she said I, I've joined an organization called the professional speakers association as was then we're meeting uh, um, at the hotel on, on the Hagley Road in Brum uh, in a few days time. Why don't you come along? And I went, oh, all right. So I did. And I walked into It's called the Plough and Harrow, a very well-known hotel in Brum. I walked up the staircase, small staircase, just as Chris Akabusi and Derek Redmond were walking down. And Akabusi was giving his wicked routine as he was walking down. And I met a bunch of people who I thought, they're a bit nuts. I know I'm going to fit right in.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's how my PSA journey started. But that postscript to that was, that lady wasn't there and she never went again. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, that's the thin line.
0: Yeah. That's the
1: thin line. If she hadn't been, I wouldn't have gone. Yeah. That's
0: really interesting, isn't it? And that's yeah.
1: how I got into speaking, Sarah. That's,
0: that's, so what, it's all know?
1: bonkers, isn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah, it definitely is. It's all so,
1: by, so... completely bonkers. <laughs> so
0: speaking with your years of experience, and a best-selling book on speaking under your belt and everything else that you've done around that. What are the things that you believe make a great speaker?
1: We all have our own favourite types of speaker, don't we? Uh, And over the last 20, uh, it'll be my 21st year in the PSA in in January. Uh, And um, I certainly had a thought of a favourite speaker when I first started. And quite quickly, I recognised the fact, actually, I had a slightly different, type of favorite I love all sorts of speakers I really do I, I, um, I love seeing the people who are quiet people who are loud who are brash uh, I like see, I like seeing people who are very humble I like I like the plethora of speakers and we all have our favorites and favorite styles if you like. Um, but the thing that's most important to me is that they are themselves and that's why I call somebody a, a natural speaker. I learned what to me what a natural speaker was, I had a particularly favorite speaker in the early days of the PSA. It happened to be a guy. Uh, and he had a, a fabulous style to him. Uh, um, very, a very, just very relaxed. I don't like the relaxed approach, because I knew that kind of was more me. So I, I love the relaxed approach. And I thought it, it's just the way that he talks. He's, you know, he, it, it, to me, he's not scripted, he just chats away. Now, I found out a little later that actually he was highly scripted and highly polished. Yeah. And for a little bit, I took my bat and ball home with that. And i thought like, oh, I can't believe it. But after a while, I realized that that was for him. And actually, it absolutely successful, fantastic. And I also recognized that for me, for me personally, um, I, I had to just be myself. And and that, and that was the switch for me quite early on. And so the best compliments I've ever had are people saying, "Think about Peter. He's he's no You know, he's exactly the same on stages up. There is no difference." And that's what I wanted. I, I you know I, you know everybody gets the speaker walk for a little bit. You know, it's hey yeah, yeah. speaker walk. Well, you got to get over yourself fast because the audience will have you if you don't. Yeah. Or at least yeah. if you go into the black country, they'll definitely have you. Um, so or you know there are other parts of the, the country exactly the same. So um for me the my favorite speakers are natural speakers they are themselves they are um not trying to be something else yet yeah, we well, yeah, we all have uh, sections that we know work mm-hmm. uh, and, and we have to be professional in that um, but we have to be ourselves we have to be natural it's got to be you there's no fakeness to it there's no there's no trying to be a speaker there's no working on it in that respect you're, you're standing up and speaking for a good reason and that good reason is that you're serving the audience and to me that's it that you're being yourself and you're serving the audience if it's an ego trip and and we all have seen speakers that it's an ego trip and, and you know i, I you know I, I'll be polite but that's about all I'll be um <laughs> because you know, we all have an ego to stand up and speak after a while, but you have to serve the audience. That's the important thing. So, you, you, you've got to go with what you've got. So for me, I've got a brummie accent. You know, I'm proud of that. I'm absolutely proud of that. Just like Dave Heiner is proud of that. You know, because because that's our background. Uh, and 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 you know that doesn't work with everybody. Okay, so be it. But that's me. That's what I am. You know. Um, And it is an age thing, I suppose, as well, Sarah. As well, you get to a point, I guess, in your life where you think, you know what, I am what I am. And if you like it, you like it, don't, you don't. I'm sorry if you don't, but it's what it is. And I think for many speakers on their early journey, they they start trying on different people's clothes. and, And and they'll see something, God, I like that. I'm going to give that a go and all that sort of stuff. And and yeah, absolutely. I probably you know occasionally I'll see something now and I think, oh, that's a good idea. That, no, because you're never too old to learn. But yeah. it mustn't impact on you being yourself.
0: Yeah, there's got to be that congruence there between because yeah. if there is incongruence, people will see through it. And I think that's that's the thing. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And so you've mentioned the audience a number of times yeah. when you put a talk together, and given you know your experience, your journey everything there's a lot of material you could potentially put into a talk or you know in the past when you're putting talks together how do you decide what to include and what to leave out
1: i suppose if you've been around uh, a good length of time then you you've got all you've got a whole bunch of set stories haven't you uh and, and stories are key relevant stories are key yes. if you're just telling stories it's great you're a storyteller, you know. If when I'm with my grandkids, I'd tell them stories, I'd make them up, and that's fantastic, but it's not useful for an audience. And they and besides which the grandkids will just go, oh Pops, not again. You know, tell us that you're making it up, Pops, you know. so it's not, it's no good, is it? Because kids yeah. see straight through it. So there have to be relevant stories to the subject you're talking about. And that that whatever that subject is, you need to stick to because the audience are expecting you to do it. So you don't go off on one just because it, it suits you. So you have a bank of stories that you can you can pick from um, and, and they are relevant, they're proven. I think of a supermarket, really. You've got, you're on the shelves, you go into a, well, if you can go into a supermarket in at the minute, you go into a supermarket, you've got a shelf full of different products, you know, uh, and, and you take one when you need it at, at the right time. Well, for me, those stories are there, they're in a bank, and you say, all right, that one and that one and that one or whatever, they'll work. They're the, they're the right ones for this occasion. And then if something happens uh, and suddenly, you know, somebody throws you a curveball for whatever reason, you can decide, well, actually, all right, we're short on time or we're longer on time. I'll put that story back on the shelf. I'll take a different one. All right. To illustrate what we need. Uh, and, and and that's kind of how I, I, I see it, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Story, stories are always the most powerful thing, but but they've got to be relevant.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, i'm I'm on the same page, absolutely. And I guess what advice would you give someone who wonders whether developing their speaking skills is worth doing, especially if they're a business owner? what would you what advice would you give them around that?
1: I'm biased with that. Um, I, I I think all business owners need to be able to stand up and speak at full stop. Uh, because um, if they can't talk about their business, they're at a huge disadvantage. And they, you know, the, the danger for them is, you know, we, we all know that most people are terrified of speaking. And, and and you should be nervous when you're speaking. You know, I still get nerves in my stomach when I'm speaking. And if you don't get nerves, there's something wrong you should because they but they should be more of an excitement nerves yeah. and then off you go that's what they should be if, if there's no nerves at all there's something badly wrong yeah. um, but if you're running your own business you know and, and of course you know the, um there are many networking organizations across the country that insist you stand up and do 60 second presentations people are terrified of doing them uh, uh and they they get you know they get into a routine of doing them and hopefully and for some people it helps them to blossom it helps them to get forward and you know and you, you see people eventually become you know uh going into in, into speaking um you know we talked about andy andy laparte that's how andy started yeah. uh and that's how we got together originally all those years ago And here's the irony. He's literally just sent me a message saying, do you want to go to a football match while we're speaking? It's hilarious, (laughs) isn't it? But my point is, is as a business owner, you've got to be able to present your business. Now, you might have to be the world's greatest speaker. You don't have to be a professional speaker. Far from it. But what you do have to do is be able to stand up and present your business. And I think everybody has to do that and show people that they're real. Yeah. And a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, I, I'm, you know, I've just got my business, and I'll just talk." Well, just talk about it and say. So part one of the things that we run with our Connect sessions enables people to relax and just say, "Hey, just talk about your business, will you? Just how you how you doing? How's life?" And so, what is it you do? And, and they relax. But then you ask, "Say, well, tell you what? Do you want to stand up in front of twenty odd people and just do the same thing?" And then they they're, they're terrified. I totally get that. I totally get that. Uh, but no, you 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 need to do it. You need to do it because it's too much of a disadvantage.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I'm going to talk uh, about where people can find out more about the family uh, business practice and you in a bit. But before I let you go, Mm -hmm. um, I want to ask you some standard questions. I ask all my guests. First, First question is, what's the best thing that speaking has done for you?
1: Oh, blimey that's a good question you little monkey that's a very good question what's the best thing speaking has done for me the best thing it's done for me is oh it's not easy it's done so many things for me if I hadn't started speaking I wouldn't have joined the PSA if I hadn't joined the PSA I wouldn't have had the career inside the PSA that I've had which I'm grateful for very grateful for I'd never have written a book, let alone five books uh I wouldn't have spoken in front of apparently well over half a million people you know big deal it's just my history i don't you know it's, it's not something that I think about a lot, but the truth is I have spoken in front of a lot of people uh and I'm grateful for that, so I suppose the thing it's done for me is I'm grateful for it I'm grateful it's given me the chance to to actually stand up and speak. I suppose it's because that goes back to when I was when I was 12 years old, the only thing I got my my a, a grand, I was boys' grammar school, state grammar school. The only thing I could do at that school, because I wasn't very good at it, was be the kid that stood up and spoke out of a book. You know, I'd be the one that gets stitched up to speak. And, and the English teacher hated me and I didn't like him. And I I read a poem called Tiger Tiger by William Blake, and in my best Brummy accent, I read Tiger Tiger, Burning Bright in the Forest of the Night. Uh, and he looked at me and said, what's it about? And I said, it's about a target. Sir. and he said, you are a cretin with a Birmingham accent, sit down and never stand up and speak in this school again. Oh, yeah. And I didn't, it's the only thing I could do. So I didn't took my bat and ball home completely. The next time I spoke was I was working for a major company. I got stitched up to speak in front of a thousand people. Scared me to death. I can't tell you how scared I was, but I noticed that while I was talking, holding on to the, the the lectern literally with my knees my legs had gone and i noticed that every time i looked at people they, they looked down and it was a very small thing for me but it was a huge thing for me that i realized out of all those people very few would do what i was doing right that second and that was the seed for me later on in life i guess so speaking for me i suppose in a way set me free didn't it
0: cool brilliant thank you for sharing all that that's brilliant and now, one thing that I always ask, and it may or may not have happened to you, but is there a gig that you can remember that is just like you wanted to crawl away and die? It's like the worst thing. You just want to forget about it. Has that happened to you at all?
1: <laughs> oh God! Um, uh, uh, there's been a number where I thought that, that that was great, especially in the earlier days. There is a story that I have to I have to clean it up slightly, uh, um, but which is uh, I was speaking in the Black Country one evening. And it was after I'd, re- I'd done a uh, release running on empty. So that you know, there was me, you know, that, that was the book that was saying, you know, this is where I am now and stuff. Classic black country, um, you know, they call a spade a shovel. My dad was black country, so I'm half black country, half brum. So, you know, they call, you know, they'll call you out in a heartbeat. So I'm in front of about 35 people talking about you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, that was my career and, you know, everything went wrong, lost a lot, da, 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 da. And there's this guy in the back who was not young. And he was very dressed up, uh, and um, he looked at me, and he said something like, "Go away." You can guess what he actually said. <laughs> all right, I don't want to upset anybody, but you can get which I've never had before or since. He he shouted it at the top of his voice. The second word was "off." All right, and the audience went silent, and I thought, "What?" And he said, "I don't." believe you, you're selling me a line. I don't think it's true off. And I got angry. So I walked all and he was at the far end of the audience. I walked right down to the audience. I'm not particularly proud of this. But I actually walked down to the to him, stood right in front of him. And I picked up the book and said what some people will do to get a free mm, book. And he looked at me and then he fell about laughing because he called me out, basically. And he became one of my biggest advocates. And the audience all went. (laughs) 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 And it could have been the worst night ever. And as it was, it completely changed. I, um, I wouldn't want to go through that again, though.
0: When you were walking down, so what gave you the idea to give in the book? Were you just like, on the, on the walking back, were you like, well, how am I going to handle this? What am I going to do? Was that, or were you always clear on what you were going to do?
1: See, the, the thing is, i would just been talking about my family, and I suppose that's it. He crossed one of my my core values family, so he crossed that. So the red mist was coming there. So, so, so I suppose at the end of the day, it was just... It came out of nowhere, I've no idea. I'm not I'm I'm not somebody that can do quips and, and yeah. one-liners and stuff. It's just not me at all. You know, I I'm my people that can, but I can't. But I, I don't know. I don't know where it came from. To this day, I don't know where it came from. To my head, I suppose he was crossing my family, and I wasn't going to have yeah. that from anybody. But yeah, that was definitely the worst
0: one. <laughs> I,
1: I spoke in some fantastic places. The worst place ever, actually physically spoken, is a squash court
0: oh yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah in a squash court that's the worst one it wrecks your voice it's hilarious and we've all we've all changed in the loos and god knows what else we've all done all that sort of stuff but mm. um or you know in the car and in the car park and things but no that was the worst one for me Sarah. Wow, um, thank you for sharing that,
0: that that's that's brilliant okay what's the book that's had most impact on your life and why
1: oh heck i've read so many positive personality profiles Oh, interesting. Why, By Dr. Robert Rome, that's R-O-H-M. I saw Robert speak, he was fantastic, held an audience, made him laugh and all the rest of it. Uh, but he talked about how to understand personality, and that was 98, 99. Uh, and that was why I went to America, to learn from him and his team. And I went to understand about myself, my family. He uh, turned into business. That wasn't why I went, but that's what it turned into. Uh, that book was brilliant. Now, not everybody gets or understands this. Some people don't agree with disc at all. Um, I think that the way I view it is that um, uh, it, it taught me one real key thing, which was uh, you need, uh, and it's his phrase, not mine, which is you need to learn how to say the same thing but in a different way.
0: Yes, yeah. And so
1: whether you agree with disc or not doesn't matter. The thing is, is some there are times in your life when you just not it's just not clicking between you and somebody, and you need to learn to say something in a different way, which means you've got to listen, and you need to then adapt. It's a bit like thinking about somebody, you know, is, uh, you know, Sarah, you're listening uh, to Classic FM, but if I'm broadcasting from Radio One, you're not going to hear me, are you? And yeah. vice versa. So you have to adapt. That book set me on the road to understanding that, understanding my family. Robert Rome did that for me, and for that I'm very, very grateful. There's a shed load of business books that are fantastic, but that that book did certainly change our lives. That was the reason I started speaking, because I went there. If I hadn't read that book, I wouldn't have gone to America.
0: Oh, fantastic. No, I love that. That's cool. We'll put a link in the show notes uh, so people can go and check that out for themselves as well. Penultimate question, what's the best bit of business advice you've ever had and why?
1: It's not actually a business advice, but it's my dad's advice. But it applies to business, which is when you get knocked down, get back up. That's it. Yeah. You know, um, I'm a petrol head, right? As we recorded this, Lewis Hamilton right now is having to get back up. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure he will. So you can apply that to sport, you can apply it to anything you want. But my dad told it me when I was a kid, which as we all are, which is get get up, you know, get get up. And then when I was older, get up. And when life was challenging, I could hear my dad say, "Get up." And and the family helped me to do that. You know, they they were doing the same thing. Which you know, it's I know it's metaphorical, but it's the same thing. You just get back up.
0: Love that. That's great. Okay, last question then. Uh If you could have one mentor, they could be alive or dead, fictional or non-fictional, who would you choose and why? This will
1: wind some people up the queen
0: <laughs> we've never had the queen before tell me why
1: because she is the head of the ultimate family business
0: oh i love that
1: and a boy has she seen some stuff
0: yeah
1: you know and and you know my, my mom passed away last year she was in a hundredth year all right mm. from from the make do and mend uh, you know uh, generation the queen's what four years behind her in age but the queen has seen so much in so many different ways, if you couldn't learn from her, regardless of what your thoughts of monarchy are, regardless of all that stuff, I think just as a person, you would you, you couldn't help but learn from her. And from a family business perspective, because the royal family is, to me, the ultimate family business. And you've only got to see what's been happening over the last two years to know And when people talk about succession planning and all that stuff, take a look at the royal family if, if you want to learn stuff. Yeah. Yeah. so, so I, I've never been asked that I've never given that answer before but the more I think about it the more I think that would be true you know
0: oh, I love that. God, fun. Be a,
1: wouldn't it be a laugh too I mean seriously <laughs> what a laugh would that be
0: I bet she has got a wicked sense I bet you she's yeah. cheeky and she's got a wicked sense of humor uh you've got to have it I think to to keep your head for so long in such a situation.
1: Well, it's it's totally bizarre that none of us can you know, can understand. And and she got a great smile. Yeah. She has a great smile, and you can see her eyes sparkling. You've got a, you know you're a little monkey, really. You've got a great <laughs> sense of humour in there. But of course, and I, I imagine you know that that would come out. So you'd love all that. Why not?
0: Absolutely. I mean, if I you couldn't it. learn from
1: the Queen. You couldn't learn from anybody, could you?
0: Cool. Well, Peter, thank you so, so much for coming on the show, sharing your stories and your being vulnerable, being a natural speaker, being you. Um, If people want to find out more about Family Business Practice, about you, where's the best place for them to go?
1: Familybusinesspractice.com. That's practice with a C. So familybusinesspractice.com will always find me. If anyone ever wants to talk about speaking, whatever, they're always very welcome. Peter at familybusinessman.com will find that. But if you go on the website, you'll get me. If you go on LinkedIn, you'll find me. It's not hard. Uh, and you know, anybody from a speaking profession, if they, you know, if they want to chat, they're always very welcome. Any PSA member, you know, it's 21 years now in in the PSA. More people know my family than me these days, which is great. They know Sarah, Beth, they know Hazel, uh, etc. Well, and they're helping to run the operation for many years now, and I'm I'm just quietly in the background these days, which is, is quite right. Uh, and you know, I'm, I've done I've done that part of it if you like, um, but you can find me easy enough if you want to.
0: Brilliant, and we'll put links in the show notes. Now, is there anything else you think you need to say in order to call this show complete?
1: Um. If you think about speaking, go for it. Um, if you're thinking about it's going to give you a million million squids, that's not the reason to do it. If you're doing it purely for money, it probably won't work. I, I, I get tired of people advertising, you know, you, you can get six figures from speaking in three weeks and all that complete tush. It's absolute <laughs> rubbish. Speaking as a career is tough, it's challenging it's more challenging now than ever it's a much bigger pool of talent than when I started 20 years ago I'm staggered at the abilities of, of people who speak these days you know, you know I'm I'm in awe of so many people these days but don't think it's an easy thing to do and then if you are on a speaking journey understand that it'll never finish and that you will have to put a heck of a lot of hard, hard miles in to make it work but if you want it enough and if you've got the right reasons for doing it, then get up, give it a go. Just get up and try it. Why not?
0: Thank you so much. You take care. Thank you for being a wonderful guest on The Speaking Club. Oh,
1: well, thanks for being such a great interviewer. That was, I enjoyed it. It was lovely, Sarah. Thank you so much. You're Thank welcome. You Thank you.
0: There you are then. How did you find that? I think so often when we look at the darkest moments of our lives, We can see that they led us to something better and brighter than before. And uh, I also love that Peter shared that parting shot about why you're speaking. And it's interesting because he's coming at that point from the angle of paid speaking gigs. And I agree with him if you want to be that type of speaker. However, I have seen speaking significantly grow income. If you use it as a strategic marketing tool and a talk which not only educates and entertains, but shifts perspectives on the problem you solve for people and the solution you offer can do amazing things. And that's a different ballgame. And I also love that Peter is using his experience to help other family businesses thrive and avoid some of the pitfalls he encountered. Do go and check out his family business practice membership. Especially if you are in that family business arena, to see if it's going to help you thrive more. And I'm sure it will. And obviously, do check out the books he's got available too. All the links are in the show notes for you. As ever, I'm sure he'd love you to go and say hi on LinkedIn. And I can tell you, nothing gives you a buzz more than to hear from someone who's been touched or helped by something that you've said or shared I love it when um, people reach out to me and let me know that something's clicked with them it makes all the difference in the world Uh, well that's it for this week thank you so much for joining me and I will be back next week as ever to keep you moving forward on your speaking and marketing journey and if you are a regular listener and you've got value from the show or indeed if you're a new one and got value from the show Um, would you do me a big favor and leave a rating or review just take you two minutes over at ratethispodcast.com slash tsc and the link for that is also in the show notes there you go in the meantime until next time don't forget to grab your life by the nuts and get cracking bye bye Getting to practice your speaking in front of an audience is a crucial part of testing your message and developing your skills and experience as a speaker, yet opportunities to do this in the right environment can be hard to find. Add in the chance to get expert feedback and coaching on your content, structure and delivery and the opportunities are even fewer. But that's what you'll get as a member of the Speaking Club Live! Each week we'll be focusing on a different aspect of business speaking from pitching to presenting to videos and lives. There'll be hot speak slots and you'll get the chance to practice sharing your message, your storytelling, your humour and all the different aspects of speaking in front of me and other members. Then you'll get feedback and coaching from me and your peers so that you're moving forward on your speaking journey with accountability and support. If you'd like to find out more about how you can become a member of the Speaking Club Live so that you can build your confidence, improve your delivery and become a better speaker, then go to saraharcher.co.uk slash club now.